So I'm just going to make a couple of comments. I'm going to reintroduce Dan Dean, and Dan's going to come, and he's going to speak for us, and then he's going to close with a fantastic song. Who wrote that song you close with? You wrote it. Did you write it? No? You wish you would have written it? All right. Who wrote it? Randy? Randy Phillips? So anyway, um, so that's what's going to happen, and sometime, uh, maybe even this year, I'd like to, Dan, to get you back and just do a whole morning of worship. I, if, ever, if everybody... If, uh, if, if anybody's like me, I was disappointed that that was the last song in the set. So uh, I, was di- I was disappointed that I walked up here. I can only imagine how disappointed everybody else was. It's like, who's that? Oh, me? Too bad. Uh, anyway, uh, but I specifically asked uh, Dan here today uh, both to sing and lead some worship, but also Dan's a, a wonderful preacher. And I ask him to do the final message in this Foresight 2020 series and to lend his voice to the things we've been talking about in recent weeks. So you're going to love that. You're going to love the closing song. And um, so uh, just a you know, couple comments. One would be that, that uh, many of you are aware that uh, Sharon and I have been traveling the last couple of weeks with a, a group of about 25 TLCC people in Israel, and did we ever have an absolutely fantastic time? And I, if you were on the Israel trip, uh, I just see a couple folks. They, they were all here at nine o'clock. They're jet lagged, right? And uh, if you're on the Israel trip, why don't you stand, if you would? I see Brian and Angie. Is there anybody else here? Maria and Nicole. So I see Pat and Paul and Lloyd. So anyway, we had a great, great trip and. Uh, uh, most of the team got home, what, Friday, right? Friday morning, Thursday. And Sharon and I stayed over for a couple of days. We got home last night, and uh, Israel's like seven hours ahead of us. So everybody's waking up at 3 in the morning and uh, getting a lot done, and most everybody was here at 9 a.m. So we had a great trip, and it's an amazing thing to see the land where... uh, that, that creates the context for Scripture from Abraham 6,000 years ago until today, seeing the place where Jesus walked and ministered, and uh, it was a wonderful opportunity to do a lot of teaching on, on those sites about the things that happened there. We had a, f- a wonderful uh, Israeli tour guide who was able to provide a lot of historical and archaeological uh, and current event context. Um, it was it was great, and then and then being able to spend time with one another. I think that's uh, if you talk to people who are on the trip. I think that that was a, a highlight as much as the things that we saw, because it's a wonderful thing. M- many of the folks on the trip had never met each other, and there were a number of folks on the trip that I didn't really know except to shake hands quickly on a Sunday. And when you spend that much time together, you know, on a tour bus and in hotels and around the dinner table and the breakfast table and the lunch table, uh, it, it's a meaningful, meaningful time. In fact, the time was so successful that I, I'm pretty convinced that we're going to do this again probably after Easter next year. And I know many of you have said that you'd like to, to come along if you have time to plan. And so uh, I, I tentatively kind of thinking about that. And uh, so 
I'm, it was just a great time and a meaningful time that will impact our church in ways beyond I had expected. We've never done a group thing like this before, and I just think that the spiritual experience, the community that we experienced, is, is going to be meaningful and impact a lot of things here. So that's that. Great to be home. I'm always thrilled to hear such great reports about what's going on here while I'm gone, and I'm blessed to be able to do some traveling at this time in my ministry to speak and to do other things, and uh, I'm so grateful for all of our volunteers here and the great job you do every week, and I'm really, really grateful for our fantastic staff team. Uh, I, you know, it's great to be in a hotel in Jerusalem. Thank you. Yeah. Great to be in a hotel in Jerusalem and have uh, Maria Bellamy was on the on the phone FaceTiming with her husband, and I, I walked by and stuck my face in there, and Melvin said, um, he said, I just want you to tell, tell you it was Sunday evening, he said, I just want to tell you that Christian was amazing today, and you know, there's nothing that makes me happier than to see our team succeed, and, um, and to know that, that this place isn't dependent on any one of us, right? It's all of us together, what we're doing together, that makes this the wonderful place that it is. So, um, most of you also are aware, or many of you are, that that Dan, Dean, and I, and Dan's wife Becky and Sharon, the four of us have been friends for many, many years since we were very young people. Uh, the first time I met Dan was at a a youth pastors convention in West Monroe, Louisiana. This is how far back we go. This would have been. 30, close to 35 years ago, Dan, right? And uh, I was, I was uh, blessed to be the keynote speaker at that convention, and Dan was the featured musician. And we developed a friendship that's gone on now for all these many, many years. Um, I've had the privilege of preaching in the church where Dan was lead pastor for, how many years did you end up being lead pastor, Dan? 34 years on the pastoral team uh, and, and 19 years as lead pastor. So I've been preaching in that church for probably 35 years before I even met you, I think. And, um, uh, and we've just had a friendship that's gone a long time. Now, I knew Dan before he was this big star. And uh, uh, therefore, I'm able to work with him a little bit with his ego. And uh, <laughs> trust me, as you'll hear, he works with me. If I have any ego, he, he, uh, he, he, he works on me a little bit. Um, so this whole, some of you probably have no context for Phillips, Craig, and Dean or don't understand uh, that, that, that uh, if you listen to Christian music at all, you've heard Dan's voice many, many times because Phillips, Craig, and Dean has had, like the songs you just heard, you know, some of them you've heard on the radio because I think one or two of those were number one hits. And um, you, you, all the, you hear that golden voice and you realize, man, I've heard this guy a lot. And you have. For the last 28 years, Phillips, Craig, and Dean have had over 21 number one, number one hits and um, just huge songs that people all over Christianity sing. And uh, Dan's written a number of those and he typically is the lead vocal on those songs. And uh, I remember when they were just getting ready, when they just formed Phillips, Craig, and Dean, which he formed with two other friends of ours from that era, uh, Randy Phillips and Sean Craig. And um, uh, Dan brought me a, a cassette tape, 
and put it in a cassette player, if anybody remembers those, and he played me what was going to be their first single. And it was a song called Turn Up the Radio. It was before it had even been released. And that song shot to the, to the top of the charts. It became the number one song. And Phillips, Craig, and Dean was launched, and they've now had this career that's been pretty amazing. Hey, guys, uh, Dan Dean's been coming here and speaking at TLCC since the this first six months of me and Sharon's time here 28 years ago, all the way back in those days you hear us talk about when we were in the basement of Holy Trinity Church. There were about 50 of us. Dan was coming, singing, speaking, and he's probably been here 30 times over the last 28 years. We love him. He's our friend. He's a friend of this church. He's on our presbytery board here at TLCC. Please give a great big TLCC welcome for Dan Dean. Thank you so much. Hello, everybody. Isn't it, what a gorgeous day outside, huh? And so delighted to be with you, and I got, I got really tickled. I look, saw some of the advertising y'all were sending out about all this stuff he's talking about. It said, I think it said Grammy winning. We, we do have Grammys. Grammys on our mom's side and Grammys on our dad's side. <laughs> We've never won a Grammy nor been nominated for a Grammy, but thanks for that endorsement. I hope a lot of people read it. <laughs> but what a joy it is to be here at the Live Christian Church. I, I really do uh, have a very, I feel, uh, a very special relationship and connection with this church. And it's always very exciting to come and, and see what new things God has done and get to meet new people that have started attending this church since I started coming. The one thing I remember very vividly about the basement of Holy Trinity Church was the smell. <laughs> you have come a long way, baby, all right? But that little group of people that were meeting in the church, and then every year when I would come up here to see the incredible uh, growth, and then, you know, from there, I, I can't remember, but I do remember the high school, was it a junior high or a high school building, and then a renovated bowling alley. Anybody remember those days? At the, uh, or was it a bar? Or it was between a couple of bars? Good place to have church, either way. It was, uh, and then watching the excitement as the building went up here and sharing in the joy and the pain of the journey with your pastor, who would call me at various points of triumph, and deep despair <laughs> while this building was being built. I've, I've never known a location at any place ever where there was more blasting occurred than right here at this place. And um, it's just exciting to see what God is. And then to, to be here, this, this incredible church, you're just so hospitable. Everybody is just so friendly. It's such an incredibly diverse place. This is just what heaven's going to be like, I think. A little taste of what heaven is going to be like. And understand, you folks, you folks do understand. I'm from Dallas. There's, there's not this incredible diversity everywhere you go. You know that? Do you know that? Shake your head up and say, I know that. Uh, and it's just awesome. And this not only is your pastor a great uh, a voice in church circles today, but this church, you know, it's just got such great hospitable environments. In fact, 
You do it so well that I recommend somebody write a book about just a hospitable leader or something. Is there anybody, anybody willing to do that? Uh, what a great book. So it's just a joy to be here, and with all of that said, uh, I want to talk to you. I, I want to try to join in in what your series has been about over the, the last few months, and I, I, uh, I went online and watched Christian's message from uh, last Sunday. Incredible job. Then I, watched, uh, I tried to watch a couple of Pastor Smiths. I got through one of them, and he's a little more lengthy than Christian, so I didn't make it through the second one all the way. I, I, I would apologize for going over a few minutes uh, in first service, which I do. I try to stay within my time. Uh, this one, uh, uh, Pastor Smith, uh, can I follow your lead and example here and maybe take a little more liberty in this service, and we'll just be here till 3 o'clock. How's that, everybody? <laughs> Not really. I, I have learned in my... Um, journey in ministry that God has placed within every person, and I believe even within churches, incredible gifts and designed uh, specifically as it relates to God's plan for uh, this kingdom that we live in, His kingdom. And you've been talking about this and actualizing a vision for your life, as the board says behind me. Uh, you've talked about how that 1 Corinthians, in fact, I've, I've heard your pastor talk about this verse of Scripture I believe God gave him some years ago divine enlightenment on the scripture about the scripture saying God has prepared uh, things for you that eyes not seen and ears not heard about. And a lot of pastors uh, misinterpreted that scripture to mean, you know, talking about heaven. But your pastor uh, was the first to illuminate that the, the scripture following up that says, and yet the spirit has made it known to you that you know it by the spirit. It's not talking about heaven. It's talking about what incredible plans and visions and dreams that God has for your life right now. That God has a place for you. That He designs you with something incredible in mind. Did you know that despite uh, this knowledge, incredibly, almost 9 out of 10 Christians, we're not just talking about people out on the street, 9 or 10 Christians don't know what their plan or purpose is for their life. At home, we talk about the two really important days of your life, the day you're born and the day you realize why you were born, the day you realize why you were created. Uh, the tragedy is that a lot of people never discover that second day. And until you discover what the plan is that God has for your life, you will never know what really matters about your life. And that is this. The ultimate purpose of your life and my life is to make a difference. It's not just finding God or developing a talent or a gift or going to school and, and getting a trade or something that you can create an income and live in happiness. But your purpose, your purpose is to make a difference in somebody's life. To live your life in such a way that when you lay your head down on the pillow at night, that you can say, I did something that mattered today. I did something that affected and impacted somebody else's life today. And the truth is this, when you get into that zone, you don't even do it as an act of obedience to the Lord. We don't just do it because 
God ask us to do it. Because when we really get into that zone, we find that God has hardwired us and put something inside of us. That there is this tremendous feeling of satisfaction and gratitude when you start utilizing the gifts that He's created in you to make a difference in the life of somebody else. This is how Mother Teresa said it. A life not lived for others is not a life. In fact, some people are saying, my life stinks or I really don't have much of a life. And probably the reason for that is the focus has been too much on ourselves and not enough focus on others outside of us. And I want to try to help you with that today. Uh, we've, we've been involved here at this church with a special series that talks about Foresight 2020, having 2020 vision. I think it's very appropriate that you're talking about this uh, at this specific time because I, I don't know that you've noticed it or not, but we live in a very polar, polarized uh, age. Have you, have you been sensing that, that never has there been more people at each other and, and they, they, you know, you get on all kinds of social media and there's all kinds of divisions and in a lot of circles there's this absolute feeling of hopelessness and tension in the air. And sometimes we as Christians can be impacted by the culture around us. Did you know that suicide rates in America have increased by 33% since 1999? That suicide ranks as the fourth leading cause of death for people aged 35 to 54. And it's second for 10 to 34-year-olds. And it remains the 10th leading cause of death overall. That's the feeling of hopelessness that I'm talking about that is pervasive in the world we live in. But in the midst of this crisis is the greatest of opportunities for the church to shine as a beacon of light and hope in this world. Look at me, uh, look at, uh, look with me at this verse written by Paul to Timothy in the New Testament. It says this, Timothy and, and this is a young a protege that he's mentoring in ministry. It says, command your congregation, those who are rich in this present world. In reality, Paul nudges all of us at different places to remember that we're rich beyond what we deserve or believe and can see. We're all rich in some way. Command those who are rich not to be arrogant or to put their hope in their money because it's uncertain and you can't count on that. But put your hope in God who richly provides you with all this stuff that you have. You don't have to give it all away. He tells you, God gave that so that you could enjoy it. But don't keep it all to yourself. You, have to, you don't have to take a vow of poverty and, and go out and give everything away. But in the middle of enjoying the blesses, blessings and the riches that I give to you, he says in verse 17, command them to do good, to be rich in, what's those two words? Everybody say, good deeds. Shout it out. And be generous and willing to share. You're going to see this theme repeated over and over in the New Testament. That the command is, and, and, and look at the word that's used here. It's a command. It's not an option. The command is, do good. Be good deed doers. 
In place of that phrase, do good deeds, you could insert the word serve. Be servants. Be rich, not just in your bank account, but rich in doing things for people, in serving people. Be generous and willing to share. Now watch this because it's huge. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may be able to take hold of life that is truly life. If you do these things that I'm commanding you to do, two things are going to happen as a result. The first is you're going to make heavenly deposits. It may not always add up down here, but it's going to add up up there. And secondly, you're going to take hold of a life that a lot of people will never discover. And that is you're going to have a life that is truly life. Hey, this thing called the church is not some kind of club for Christians to attend. We are intended to be a group of people on a mission. The greatest place in the world where you can involve yourself and serve in the local church is with a life team at here at, at the Life Christian Church. Some of you said, I know why Pastor Smith got you here now. It's all a setup. Yes, it is. At home, we call them the dream teamers. Here, you call them your life team. I want to tell you that I still believe that the local church is the hope of the world. That the local church, the live Christian church here in West Orange, New Jersey, and at the other campus is the hope of the world. And when we pull together in doing good deeds and in serving other people, we will make a difference in this community and beyond. When the Bible was written, this serving thing was, was not really an end thing. In fact, compassion was considered a sign of weakness. No one served somebody else. You were always trying to get ahead of somebody else. Even in religion, because the gods of their day were so demanding, they thought, this is just the way we need to be. But then a different God was introduced. And this God so loved that he gave. And this God so loved that he would wrap a towel around himself and bow and wash somebody else's feet. This God, this message of Jesus was one of serving and loving and giving and doing good deeds for people. And in truth, you can't really love God until you love others. They are inseparable. This new law is one that you need to wrap your minds around and understand. That's why so many of the texts of the New Testament are about Talking, uh, constantly talking about doing good deeds and serving one another and being rich in good deeds. Now, before I, I get very practical, let me give you one more reference in Scripture. Paul is writing to Titus, and I may note that Titus was the pastor of a multi-site congregation. You were thinking to yourself, this is a kind of a new thing, but no... If, uh, if Titus had video cam would have had video cameras and video camera operators, he would have stood today and greeted his campus churches like you. But Paul is writing to the pastor of this multi-site uh, pastor congregation, and he says this. There's this whole group of Christians that claim to know God, but they're not for real. 
And the reason they're not for real is that they don't, they don't live it out. Their actions deny him. And they are unfit. Why? Because they're not doing anything for others. They're just detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. And then he goes on. And, and by the way, if you want to impress somebody this week and, and, um, and tell them that you read an entire book in the Bible, you can do this. Read the book of Titus. It'll take you about eight minutes. He goes into chapter 2, verse 7. In everything, set them an example by doing. Everybody say, what is good? Be good deed doers. Pastor Titus, here's what I want you to do. Lead your church. Set an example for doing good. And then in chapter 3, I guess he thinks they're not getting the point. Remind the people to be ready to do He starts off the third chapter that way. Then he goes down to verse 8. Maybe I should say it again in case you're not hearing me today. I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God, anybody in this building trusted in God today, may be careful to do what? Devote themselves. Are you starting to get the point here? Titus keeps on. These things are excellent and profitable. Of course they're profitable for everybody. They're going to be good for your community. And just to drive the point home, he repeats himself yet again in verse 14. Our people must learn to devote themselves to... Okay, it's become a little bit repetitive, has it not? Titus, tell your people they got to learn how to do this. And after they learn it, devote themselves to it so they can provide for the urgent needs. They don't want to be a bunch of unproductive Christians. They want to make a difference in somebody's life. So today, with that in mind, I'm going to give you the simplest message I have ever preached in my entire life. In fact, I almost feel the need to apologize to you for how simple it is. And the reason it's so simple is just so simple. I had a lady come to me not long ago. Pastor Dan, I like it when you go deep. I don't think she approved of the message that day. And I think what she meant by that was, confuse me. I want to leave here not knowing what you actually said. Well, let me tell you something that's deep. Let me tell you something that's deep is love your neighbor as yourself. That's deep. And, and I could attempt to go deep. I studied Bible college. I graduated from Dallas Baptist University. I, I could try to confuse you. I did that for the first few years that I was the pastor, and I dwindled the church down to a few deep people. <laughs> and and, and I, I will say that I, I do know a little Greek. He works over the kitchen and uh, <laughs> just joking. And I'm not downing the use of Greek because, I mean, let's just face it, that's the language the New Testament was written in, right? So it's helpful to know all of that. But here's one thing I have learned. Somebody who is drowning doesn't know, want to know the Greek word for life raft. 
They want somebody to, say, to be able to throw them away that they can escape from the, the place that they find themselves. Uh, what I really want to do is to inspire you today to be able to throw a life draft or a rope to somebody that's drowning by using the gifts that God has already placed inside of you. So we're going to do it in three questions and three answers. Here's the first one. Again, I apologize. Okay, I'm, I'm so sorry. Why should I do good? Write that down. I know Pastor Smith is going to come up next Sunday. He's going to have a lot. You know, it's going to be a... By the way, your pastor is one of my favorite speakers in the entire world, without a doubt. He's a, he has been for many, many years. And he comes to our church and blesses us. He's been doing that, like, like we said, uh, at least once a year for the last number of years. Why should I do good? And in all these, you, you could insert the word serve in the place of doing good. Why should I serve others? Why should I be on a, uh, uh, Pastor Dan, why should I be on a life team? And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking because they need it. People need it. And you're right about that. Because they do. Or you could be thinking because the God uh, that I serve told me that I needed to. And you're right about that. But I, I don't like people to, to follow uh, out of just simple obedience or obligation. And I, I believe in obedience and I believe the scripture is in agreement with that. And there's obviously a place for that in our faith. But the cool thing about God and serving others with the gift that he's given you is lean in and listen to this. He allows you to enjoy what you're doing while you're doing it. It's not like a honey-do list that my wife gives to me because I am not a handyman. And when I do handyman things around the house, I usually mess things up to a greater degree and we end up having to call a repairman in. When God gives you something to do with the gifts that he's given you, you get to have fun while you're doing it. In fact, it's the most fulfilling thing you will ever do is using the gifts that he's given you to serve others. Here's the answer of why should I do what I why should I do good? Because serving is God's destiny for your life. It's God's destiny for me. It's like why you're sitting in the seats today. Once you become a Christian, this is your life. People say things to me on occasion like, I'm looking for God's calling in my life. I feel like God has a calling in my life. Like it's some kind of destination that they're going to arrive at if I do this and one day I'll graduate from that and I'll do this. No, 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 no. Your destiny is today. Right now as you sit in this church, your destiny is on your road there beside you today. Your destiny is at the restaurant where you're getting ready to go eat. Your destiny will be sitting at the table with you. Your destiny is all around you. Your destiny is to be a good deed doer and to serve others with the gifts that he's placed inside of your life. Oh, I'm preaching way better than y'all are responding today. Don't make it any more difficult than what it is. You can walk out of this building today and be as called to the gospel of Christ as I am standing on this stage today, which is why you are alive. Look at Ephesians 2. For we're God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do, there's that phrase again, good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You are God's workmanship. 
He took time to craft you, to put certain skills in you and motivations in you, to give you a unique and special ability, a divine ability. God gave you a spiritual gift. He gave Pastor Terry a spirit, many spiritual gifts, one of which is eating. He's going to take me to a good restaurant, I hope, today. Because I have that spiritual gift as well. But, but you're good. God put good stuff in you. And, and it's like a fish swimming or a bird flying. When you do it, there's something that happens inside of you and inside of others that causes a smile to be placed upon the lips of God. He looks and said, that's the purpose for which I created them. I don't care what your mommy and daddy said about you getting to this earth and how you came. God created you with a special plan and design in mind. Number two. I'm so sorry. Am I going too fast for you? Where should I do good? A lot of people think you do good things in good places. Could be. In fact, I really do think this church is a great place to start. Every person in here should be part of a life team. Start in your local church. Serve somewhere. Give your gift somewhere. Uh, the truth of the matter is, is uh, uh, you need to be involved somewhere. A and... We have to take this gift that God gives us every place that we go. It's just not to the good places. It's to the dark places. We take it into the office. We take it to Lifetime Fitness. We take it to the places we frequent, the schools, the colleges, the universities. In fact, this needs to happen in the darkest of places in life. The simple answer to this question, where do you do good, is wherever I am. And guess where you are today? You're at the Live Christian Church, so you ought to be a good deed doer at the Live Christian. Look at somebody and smile right now. And, and not only there, you're going to find yourself at the house later on today. Be a good deed doer at the house. Some of you wives say amen for me today. Don't elbow him. It'll be too obvious to do that. When you go to work or school, serve there. Do good deeds there. Am I, am I going too fast? I, I see some of you struggling with the note thing right now. I'm sorry. I'm being a little sassy. In fact, leave a little early for work tomorrow. And on your way to work, stop by Krispy Kreme donuts. Do y'all have those up here? Or is it Dunkin'? Either way, it doesn't matter. Get some of those hot glazed donuts. Carry them into the office. Walk in with a smile. I brought treats for everybody today. And watch all those people who've been saying they're dieting rush over to that box. And Am I right? You want to change the environment of work? Take some donuts into work, ladies and gentlemen. Serve. Serve somebody. That's what you got to do. And then, and then lastly... How should I do good? Now, this is the thing y'all have been focusing on. And, and one of the things that, that Christian so uh, beautifully emphasized last week was this. 
You let the Spirit lead you. Do good however the Spirit leads. The Spirit will lead you according to the gifts that He's given to you. Romans 8, 14, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. You want to be called a child of God, then let His voice speak to you regarding the gifts that He's placed inside of you. John, John, uh, John Ferris, Terry, you know him, been... Terry's been coming to our church for so long. John and Sherry Ferris started coming to our church, I want to say it was 79, 80, somewhere way back. Wonderful, wonderful couple. She had a glorious encounter with Jesus in her living room at her house. And when she showed up at our church, she was ready to do something for God, extremely passionate. Within the first couple of months of being in our church, she was so passionate about her experience with God that she won uh, around 80 people of her friends and family to Christ. And she was pumped. We started our first great revival in our church there and, and, and that we're in Carrollton now. It was in Irving at the time. And just a fireball, just excited. Well, her husband, John, a Vietnam helicopter pilot, he was not all that excited he, he saw what had happened in her, and he, was, he had given his heart to the Lord, but he was a way baby Christian. He was not so excited about it. And she was volunteering hours at the church. And so he decided, i, I got to curtail this somewhat. So he moved her 45 minutes away from the church. They bought a house way down south of Dallas. The only thing that did was make his gas bill a whole lot higher. Eight months they lived down at this house, and her driving back and forth to fulfill the passion God had given her. And one particular Sunday night service, we had Sunday night services then, there was a, a talk about God using the gifts inside of you, much like what I'm talking about today. And the Lord touched that man's heart. He went up to my pastor at that time, Jack Dehart, and he wrapped his arms around him. And he said, I have to apologize. I moved away from here. It was a big mistake. I'm moving back closer to the church than ever before so my wife can engage in her passion and, and I can be involved however the Lord sees fit. John Ferris pushed his wife. Uh, she was volunteering, eventually became staff at the church. 42 years she worked on staff at Heartland Church. And just incredible lady of great honor and passionate for God. John was always in the spot uh, in the in the shadow. She was in the spotlight. He was he was just John, ex-Vietnam vet. And this past year because of his uh, his service to our country and flying a helicopter and dropping Agent Orange on those jungles of Vietnam, discovered that he had a disease and quickly took his life. And I was Stunned because the funeral was was on New Year's Eve of this past year. And I showed up at church uh, viewing the night before, and there were hundreds of people, hundreds of people on a holiday. And I heard the same story, and I knew this, but it just emphasized to me the gifts that John had, although they seemed to be hidden, came out of the stories of people. I came to your church the first time, and the first person that greeted me when I walked in this church was John Ferris. He came right where I was sitting with this big smile on his face, 
and he talked to me for about five minutes and he learned the names of my kids and the next Sunday I walked in he asked me how they were doing over and over and over story after story of uh, uh, John came up to us one Sunday and he said here here's here's $25 I want you to take your wife out to eat today for lunch and he didn't know but we hadn't been out to eat in a long time because things had been tough until hundreds and hundreds of people are repeating the same thing. All this time, John's spiritual gift was that of an encourager and pulling in people close and loving on people. And let me tell you today, John Ferris is reaping the rewards because he laid up treasures in eternity that people will be reaping for years to come. I hope you'll utilize your gift. What is it? Have you discovered it? Another beautiful lady whose spiritual gift is that of an encourager. She just always, do you know people like this, they always seem to have the right word at the right time and they always kind of text you at the right time and that, that time you're going through something, they call you and say, I just had you. Anybody got a friend like that? You have people in your life? This was one of those ladies. And she was reaching out to a friend of hers that was going through a terrible struggle with her, with her son. He was making horrible choices. And, and she was heartbroken about it. And she would confide. They would talk to each other. And she, My son is just so messed up right now. And I, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm disappointed in the life and the choices he's making. And the lady said, I just feel led to tell you this. Look at, let's pull out the coins in your purse. Let's take a penny. And she took a penny out of her purse and said, what, what does this say on this penny? It says, in God we trust. I think you just got to give that over to the Lord and trust Him. And all of a sudden this lady said, after she got that little message from that encourager, everywhere she looked, she saw pennies. She walking down the road, there's a penny laying on the ground. Every time she felt a little down, she'd look around, there would be a penny to remind her. You just got to put your trust in God. She gets a call from her son. And the son wants to meet her, have a discussion. And so they agree because they've had uh, uh, times that are not too pleasant together. We'll meet at a restaurant so we'll be in public so we can maintain and control our emotions. They met in a restaurant. Her son looked at her and said, Mom, I just want to tell you, I'm happy with the direction my life's going. I know you think I'm making bad decisions and I'm doing what's wrong. I don't want your God. I don't want anything to do with your life. I'm going my way. And she was so crushed to, to try to compose herself. She went into the restroom and she walked into the restroom with tears in her eyes and she gripped the counter and she was just saying God you gotta help me and as she's holding the counter all of a sudden she opens her eyes the countertop of the public restroom was inlaid with pennies row after row after row of pennies she looked down at the floor and the designer who had designed that restaurant was pennies she was standing on pennies. She looked up at the ceiling, and there was pennies, row after row. Everything in that restroom was something that was inlaid with pennies. 
And it was the Lord saying, you just got to trust me. All because a little lady used her spiritual gift to say, hey, every time you see a penny, be reminded. Now, I could say it ended there. I don't know how the stories ended with the mother and son, but that little story caused my friend Randy to write a song, which is on our new album, to be an encouragement. You see how this happens? When you use your gift to encourage somebody, it'll spur somebody else's gift, and the chain goes on and on. And for somebody right now, you need to hear the words of this song inspired by an encourager. I want you to listen to it and let the Lord speak to you today. i 
you're still God.